Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. It's me, Jerry. I've got Jake with me once again today. How are you doing today, sir? I'm fantastic. Getting halfway through the week now. I've got a golf trip this weekend. Looking forward to. So it's just a good week for me. It's a good week all around. We got, you know, we've got beautiful weather. I, I know that the weather is going to take a dip uh, over the next couple of days, but we've got Memorial Day coming up. Uh, official start to the unofficial start to summer. So I'm looking forward to that myself. Uh, we've, we've got, we don't have a lot to talk about today. We're just going to talk some golf, some baseball, some hockey. Um, you know, just add, add, add some final thoughts as well. But uh, let's get right into it and talk about and start with some golf talk, starting with Phil Lifterill Mickelson and how he won his second PGA championship, his sixth overall major title, and how he is now the oldest golfer ever to win a major championship. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start off with this, sir. Well, going into the going into Thursday when the round when the round started, I don't think anyone and their mom saw Phil Mickelson had a chance to win this tournament, to be honest. I think everyone thought if Phil was to win another championship, it was probably going to be at Augusta because at Augusta you kind of go sling the ball around and make up for it with your short game if needed. Um, <laughs> this was a very long course, so everyone thought a young guy was going to win it. They could hit bombs um, without winning and everything. But no, Phil went out there, um, kind of did everything he needed to do to win the tournament, didn't really do anything spectacular on Sunday. I mean, you just kind of – on number one, though, on Sunday when he had that bogey, I think a lot of people probably thought he was going to have that typical Phil Mickelson just kind of blow up and he was going to shoot like a 78 or something there on Sunday. But he ends up coming back, making part of the next hole, and Brooks made a seven the next hole, which kind of gave him that little cushion he needed and then just kind of rolled with it for the rest of the day. I mean, you saw on the broadcast he was doing his breathing exercises and that definitely threw Brooks off his game because Brooks is a guy who he can't stand how slow the pace of play is. He has come out and stated it a lot. Um, so I, I think that kind of threw Brooks off his game because through holes like one through 13, Brooks was spraying everything left. He couldn't find it with the driver. And then I think it was 14. He kind of found himself or he was finally finding the fairway. But um, Phil just kind of gave himself that cushion that he needed and did everything he needed to do to win the tournament. I mean – he put one in the water on, I think it was 15 or 16, ends up making bogey uh, 17 when he put his par three shot long. I I really thought he was going to skull that out of that rough where he was. He had a terrible lie, put it into the water, and we were it was probably going to be looking like a Brooks Kepka win, to be honest. But uh, no, so he saves bogey on that hole. Um, he goes going into 18, if he would have bogeyed, Brooks could have birdied. It could have went into a playoff. Um, but, no, Phil hits that. But not Phil hits a nice drive there on 18, kind of puts up a little trouble, ends up saving par. Um, Brooks parred the hole as well, and Phil took the tournament. But uh, I don't think anyone really expected it. It was definitely great to see, especially, I mean, coming out 18, just all the fans behind Phil. It kind of looked like that Tiger following that he had. I mean, that was probably one of the greatest moments in golf history, in my opinion. 
just everyone kind of circling. So, I mean, for for a couple minutes, there was a good solid five minutes where I think Brooks Kepka was absolutely lost in there. I mean, Phil was looking for his ball, and Brooks Kepka had not come out of that crowd yet. It was unreal. That crowd was amazing, but no, good for Phil for the win. Um, the ending interview kind of made me a little uncomfortable because she's like, Phil, you are now the oldest uh, champion. I get I get they want to say that, but um, come on, the guy's old. You don't got to tell him that. He's probably thinking, like, oh, I'm old, but you don't got to tell me that. But um, no, good for him for winning that, doing everything he needed to do. Um, hopefully he can continue this play going forward. I mean, it's always nice to see Phil Mickelson play good. It makes the sport more exciting just because the kind of guy Phil is. But um, this victory definitely cemented his place in the top 10 golfers in history, in my opinion. So first off, I want to go back to like the beginning of the final round going like in, on Sunday. And actually, no, I changed that. I want to go into Saturday, actually, when he was atop the leaderboard going into Sunday. He's Saturday. He was just kind of steamrolling the field. He got to mine. He got to he got to a point where he was ahead by five strokes and kind of like lost it a little bit in, on the back nine on Saturday. But even but if, like we know that like he was at, uh, still atop the leaderboard on Saturday going into Sunday. He was good. He was in the final pairing with Kapka, and now going into the Sunday. Um, I mean the the first the front nine honestly the first like seven holes. It was just like a carnival. It was a circus. I mean, you really had so you really had so much going on in those first like seven, maybe nine holes, uh, for in the final pairing where so many momentum swings changed. Like like you said, on one, Phil 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 didn't have a great first hole. Brooks Brooks had a good first hole where you know a little momentum shifted there. Then they go to the second one. Uh, everybody, everybody's thinking, "Oh boy, here we go!" Typical Phil Mickelson. He's gonna blow, find a way to blow it on the final day. So, but it doesn't happen. Phil ends up, Phil ends up rebounding, having a good second hole. Brooks ends up uh, kind of shitting the bed on hole two. Um, but I think what happened, but I think the momentum changer for the entire turn, for the entire final round, and even for the tournament, honestly, uh, was was five. Hole five. I really think that. When Phil hold it for birdie from the sand area, I really think that's when like Brooks had no shot of winning the tournament, no matter how close it got. Mainly because like that was just vintage Phil Mickelson with a with a great shot, uh, you know, uh, with a great shot, like one like one of the best shots he's had in his career, obviously. And then the whole crowd just like being there, you know, jumping up for joy and just cheering as he as he hold it for birdie there. I'm just like, oh, holy shit. Phil Mickelson just did this at fucking 50. Like, there's no way he's losing today. I, I had it in my mind. Like, there's no way Phil loses today after this. But going into the back nine, going in towards the final holes and everything, what really got me was that Phil is Phil. It's car. It's cardiac. Like watching Phil golf. When you really think about it, I mean, there's so many times that like he was winning, uh, at, going into the final round. He he didn't win, or he only won by like a stroke or two. Uh, obviously, the 2006 U.S. Open comes to everybody's mind uh, when he was up by two at 18, and you know, kind of just shanked shanked his drive there, and ended up losing, uh, losing that fi- losing that tournament there, but. Um, going off of what you said there about 18 and honestly, 
I loved everything about 18, honestly. I mean, Phil, when Phil bogeyed 17 and he was down and he was only up by two, I had the, I did have a little bit of fear that like, okay, the bogey birdie thing could happen and a playoff could happen. And if it did go into a playoff, I thought maybe Brooks was probably going to win because, well, you and I said, you and I said it on our last podcast episode that Brooks Kepka may or may not, Brooks Kepka would be a player in this tournament and it proved that he would be in contention up until the final hole. But when Phil draw hit, like when Phil hit the, his tee shot and it went like towards the crowd, I'm just thinking to myself, "Oh my fucking god, here we go again!" And that's and and like you're, th- I'm thinking the opposite of what happened there. Like he's just probably just gonna try and figure out like, uh, how like where to place the shot and everything. No, he's in the people. A miraculous, uh, like a miraculous yet wonderful shot onto the green, and then all of a sudden, like these people, they're just following him. The, like, they lost like control said, of the course for sure. Oh, the, they, the, the, this is a, this is a great example of those little ropes do nothing to protect those golfers. This is a great a example of a complete ignorance to health and public safety. And I'm going to be honest with well, you, North Carolina, they don't need masks anyways. Well, what I was going to say is I don't give a shit. We all the way back Sunday uh, Sunday at 18 proved that we are all the way back. Okay, like you said, it reminded me of Tiger in 2018 when he won the tour championship. And I really wish that like looking back at that now, when when everybody knew that Tiger was going to win the 2019 Masters, that they would have done the same thing. But watching the crowd follow Phil and how they all got with them. And I was talking with my dad about this, too, like as I'm watching uh uh, and we're and we're, we're we're like like you said. Where's Brooks? Brooks Kepka was like lost <laughs> in the crowd for like five minutes. Brooks apparently it turned out. Uh, apparently it turned out that like a couple people like grabbed it, kept on his caddy, and like were trying to like elbow him or like get at his knee or whatever. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Could like, you imagine thought- though how pissed off Brooks Kepka was during that situation? I mean, he is down. He was down two at that point. Going, and, I mean, he had a nice tee shot there on 18, um, but uh, he ends up. You're you're down two going into the last hole with a chance to really still make a playoff. Like I said, Phil Bogies, T Birdies, we're looking at a playoff, so he thinks he's still in contention. And then all these people are just there for Phil surrounding him. I can't imagine. I think every single golf fan has a good like that's a good memory for them now. But I can't imagine for Brooks Koepka, he looks back at that and that's a happy memory for him at all. That is definitely not a happy memory. And the thing is, though, is that even there were a lot, there were a few people like grabbing at Phil too. Like if you were watching it closely, like these people were kind of just like that's where I'm. That's where I'm saying it was like a complete ignorance towards towards public safety. Oh yeah, because like you had the people like you they were starting to lose the crowd control. Like I know you have the sheriffs and everything, but they can only do so much. <laughs> but at this, but at the same time, like the fan moment, like just walking up the course, following Phil. Like, it was just great. It was, like, one of the most uh, – honestly, like, it's not only, like, one of the greatest scenes in golf, but probably, like, one of the greatest scenes in recent sports memory in general just because of, like, the whole magnitude of everything. And even even Phil came out and, like, I don't know – I, I like, he went on Twitter and he, he quote, unquote, got half lit and was tweeting after he won. He tweeted out that he had to elbow a guy. <laughs> yeah, the elbow I guy. Saw that. Yeah, um, no, that was that's a while, but that just it's amazing to me though, as as much as us human beings 
fuck shit up so much in this world that for some reason people just don't fuck up golf tournaments. Like it'd be so easy for a guy to say, run, grab Phil's ball there on 18 and just run away with it. Or just scream on people's back, like swing on Phil's back swing there on 18. But everyone just kind of does what they need to. And like, I guess applause to humans for that, for not fucking that up and giving the golf community what it deserves. But it's just amazing to me how they don't fuck that up and we fuck so much other stuff up. It's oh, it's bad. It's it's beyond baffling. Like 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 even like you know you go to a football like you go to a football game or a basketball game or even a baseball game now because or even a baseball or hockey game um uh, football games like they're just complete uh, ignorant they're just a complete uh, ignorance uh, to uh, public safety and public health uh, even like just because of like the entire atmosphere but then again like football games aren't meant to be like family type atmospheres right. and in my honest opinion. Sporting events really aren't meant to be family type atmospheres either. I know they're trying to ramp it up and make it safer and everything, but sometimes people are just going to be stupid, and you know, fights will happen in the in in the stands, or or fans will just chant uh, chant and call out athletes uh, if they're close within close proximity and try to cause some sort of stir or whatever. But yes, like you said, with golf, it's. It's it's amazing. Like all of a sudden, like everybody just follows the etiquette of golf, respects like the rules of the tournament. Of and the it's course. amazing too because everyone there, like you could tell, most of the people there were drunk. And for, oh, for them not for them just not to. Fu- I mean, I get a little kid did grab pick up Phil's ball. I think it was on three or four. And there's no there's no camera over there, which amazes me because all the amount of cameras that are on there, like on the golf courses and stuff, that they didn't have a video of the kid picking up Phil's ball and moving it. Because there was a big commotion about it, so um, so Phil ended up getting a lift place and or a lift clean at, or English Jake lift and place clean uh, because a little kid picked up Phil's ball and like you could see like and you did see a little video of it of, like the dad a nervous dad ran over and picked up his kid real fast, but um no I mean but yeah. it is amazing that they just don't mess anything up. Oh, it really is amazing. And I honestly didn't even know about that with the little kid there. Uh, I, I was trying to figure out, like, what happened there with, like, Phil placing his ball. But uh, I don't think the broadcasters mentioned anything there. Or if they did. It kind of got swept, like, under the rug for the most part. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, going back, just overall with the overall situation with the crowd and everything, you know, just uh, reveling in the moment there. Uh, one of my friends, actually, that I went to Fisher with uh, – had the privilege of being down at the ocean course in Kauai, uh, Kiowa. At Kiowa Island. Yeah, he was, uh, he actually worked, uh, like he actually like was part of like a grounds crew and stuff, uh, setting up, setting up and takedown. So he's still down there, like taking everything down and everything. But, uh, when he was on 18, cause like all the workers like go to 18, um, uh, because they get to, uh, meet uh, the champion and get a picture with them. So, he was there at 18 and he told me that he had to tackle two people. That's amazing. I mean, that, that is, we got to get him on the podcast just to tell that story. That is, we I would were, love to hear that story. That's just amazing. Oh, I would love to, I, I, I would love to get, I would him love too. to hear what conspired there that he had to tackle two people. That's, I, I really want to know too. Cause he told me that cause I'm talking, I was texting him like during the tournament because like he, I'm watching it on TV like I'm watching like the I'm obviously like I'm watching on TV and he's like 
on 18 like and he's just like where's phil like where's brooks like what's going on and i and i said and i said to him and i said to him he's a few he's a few he's a few hundred he's a few he's probably about 100 yards away from you in in a crowd of people because that's where his ball is and he's like what do you mean i said he teed it off into into a little crowd of people and he's like oh shit and I said to him, and and then he asked me like, where, and then he's like, where, where's Phil now? And I said, oh, he just, oh, I said, did you see a ball come onto the green? He's like, yeah. And I said, Phil just hit onto the green from the people. They're they're about eighteen's uh, about to erupt. Yeah, no, that had to be an amazing atmosphere to be a part of because, I, I, if it wasn't for Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson would have been the best golfer of his generation back in the two thousands, like nineties and early two thousands. Phil would have been the best golfer if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. So for him to get this, it's just amazing. Everyone loves Phil Mickelson. He's a guy that you just can't hate. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. I mean, Phil Mickelson is a man of the people. Um, I know that there are some Phil haters out there, but uh, I, I, I always try to figure out, like, why people hate Phil. I don't know. I honestly don't know why. I mean, maybe they just want him to win a U.S. Open. Maybe they just don't like him. Maybe they just think he's a little too cocky. I've never, like, really understood that one there. But, uh, no, Phil Mickelson is probably, like, Phil Mickelson is probably, like, one of the best golfers of this generation, of our generation, um, uh, second best only to Tiger in our honest opinion. Um, Phil Mickelson is also like one of just one of the greatest golfers of all time too, honestly, mm -hmm. because, because the thing is though, is like, yeah, he, not only does, will he have this record, he will have this record forever. I don't think anybody over the age of 50 will win a, will win a major championship. Well, ever again. Tiger, if he comes back, that's the, yeah. I, I really think if Tiger continues to play, I really think Tiger wins a major after the age of 50. Tiger, well, I, I think Tiger will beat the record for most majors. Well, my thing, too, is that when it comes to this, is that, and go, uh, I'm not going to lie. Let's be honest here. Did we, don't, and don't bullshit me on this. Did you ever expect to see Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson ever win a major ever again, say, after? At, say after 2015 well after 20 actually going so tiger's major in 2019 he had won a couple tournaments prior yes so you kind of like there was more of like a build-up to that where you're like okay he could do this like yes i, I, I would have said yes just based on the fact that i am a diehard tiger fan but like during his 2019 when he won when he won the or the masters at augusta you it was kind of like the build-up Whereas Phil really just came out of nowhere because for the like the past couple of tournaments, spray or Phil has just been spraying everything around everywhere and is coming in at like above par. But um this weekend, I think Phil's biggest thing was he was able to hit fairways because what you haven't been able to Phil has never been a good driver his whole career, and he was no, hitting Phil's fairways this weekend. Like, it was he was actually hitting fairways this weekend, and it's just it's just an amazing sport that a guy at the age of 50 can go out there and compete against like 22 to 30 year olds and just beat them. No other sport. You get that. And I love it for that. Oh, I love him for that too. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, yeah, no, like I never expected to see Phil Mickelson actually ever win on the PGA tour again, because the thing that really gets me is that like the last time he won 
was the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which was just a couple of, which was two or three years ago was the last time he won. So he had been, he had not been winning at all, minus the two events that he partook in in the senior right. tour, and he won those. And a lot of but, people thought he was going to be going into broadcasting, too. Um, yes. Because um, I think it was last year, two years ago, he kind of started getting into that broadcasting thing, and he was winning on the senior tour. I mean, if Phil went on the senior tour, he would just go and smoke all those guys. He could still make a decent living and do broadcasting with that. And people thought that's what Phil's going to do. And now I think this just kind of rejuvenized his career a little bit and his outlook for other people because, like, well, I, myself included, I really thought Phil was on the back end of his career where he was going to be playing on the PGA Champions Tour. For, yeah. like, I, oh. I really didn't think he was going to win. Oh, yeah. No, nobody knew it. Nobody thought this. Nobody thought this. I mean, I'm going to agree with you there. Like, yeah, I believe it was like CBS was trying to court him or – yeah, I think it was CBS. Like he made a couple of guest appearances on CBS for a tournament or two or whatever, and uh, he was and there were significant talks about like how he did so well in those guest appearances that they thought he would go into broadcasting and continue like his career on this Champions Tour for the PGA. Um, uh, but and you know also do his other ventures that he partakes in as well, but. Um, I mean, this kind of rejuvenated his career. I mean, he is 50. I don't know, like, what's going to happen given, like, for the rest of the season. I mean, the guy did win on tour at the age of 59, though. Huh? Uh, there was a winner on tour. He didn't win a major, but a guy won at the age of 59 on tour. Was- so Phil could have years left if he Phil- wanted to. He could if he wanted to, but the thing is though is with Phil, I feel like he, I feel like as the years go on, he go, he only golfs in like certain events. Like obviously he'll golf in all the majors because he can do that until he's sixty five for the most, until he's sixty five for the most part, uh, except for the U.S. Open. Like he gets another five years there because he's never won it, but uh, he gets another five years uh, added onto his exemption uh, to golf there. But um, uh, he's got. Uh, he pretty much he has another five years to golf at no he's got a lifetime exemption at the PGA Championship which he already has because he yeah. won in two thousand five yeah yeah he can golf until like he's like what sixty five at the at the Open Championship because uh, he has that exemption from when he won in twenty thirteen and then the Masters Masters he's um, exempted for life I believe I believe they changed that after Gary Player last played uh, his Masters because he was playing into like his 70s. Speaking of Gary Player, though, did you you hear him at the end? Like, I know him and Phil have this weird thing where they kind of hate each other. And he had to say congratulations to Phil. And it was just kind of weird because it it did seem kind of forced because those two hate each other for some reason. I'm not sure the backstory behind that, but I know they hate each other. Interesting there. I did not know that they hated each other. But uh, another thing about Phil Mickelson is that um, uh, he's been doing these uh, Capital One, the matches as of late. And I don't know if you saw it today. I was going to bring that up as well before we close out the golf section. Well, yes. I mean, we can go right into it then. Uh, We've got uh, the olden, well, we've got the olden one, olden boys, uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. They are going to be taking on uh, Brooks Kepka's arch nemesis, uh, and uh, future Jeopardy host Aaron Rodgers in Capital One's the match. This is like what the fifth match that's that has happened like this. The fifth is this the fifth one? Yeah, it's, it, the number is right around there. But yes, it is. Um, I I can't stand Bryson DeChambeau, so I don't get why. I just don't get why he's playing. 
unless you're like, we want to views. And most people hate Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, the guy's just this, an absolute. So Kepka used to be the hated boy in the PGA Tour until Bryson came in. And people started looking at Brooks like, oh, Brooks is just a chill guy. And Bryson is just an absolute dick. So I don't get why they put uh, Bryson in. I, I just can't stand the guy. Um, and then I, clearly you would probably tell the Twitter stuff with everything going on between Brooks and Bryson then. Especially after that, that last round interview, that post round interview for Brooks was just amazing. Um, yeah, I need I need a mate like I need the U.S. Open to pair these two guys together one day. It'll make for great television. Um, that, oh, I know. Uh, the PGA's got to do something with that. I mean, they they got to know these two hate each other now. So just put them in a major together. Just pair them up in a major together. Let the TV happen and let it happen. We may see a fight on the golf course for the first time. <laughs> we may see a fight. Yeah, we may see Happy Gilmore and Bob Barker in real life. Honestly, uh, uh, <laughs> it, I'll, I'll pay a lot of money to see that. <laughs> two, two absolute meatheads going at it on the golf course. I mean, it wouldn't get better than Wait that. Wait a second. Wait a second. We're not golfing anytime soon. Yeah, right. Me and you are just too swole. Me and Jim go to the gym every day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm at the gym if, if right now. If your gym, is, if your gym is raising your right hands to sip a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm at the gym right now. What are you talking about? I'm recording at Planet Fitness. Come on now. <laughs> I'm actually not doing that. That would be so awkward, but um uh, uh <laughs> need, a Jeremy, so... need a Jeremy live stream at Planet Fitness. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, no, the Twitter stuff was kind of funny. It was Brady that actually initially uh, started <laughs> it because uh, he uh made the memes uh he he made those memes, uh, and and I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, one said Aaron. One was uh, Aaron. One had Aaron Rodgers as Kepka, and then you had Bryson walking by, and it said the Packers kicking a field goal. Of seven. Yeah, I did see that one, but uh, no. Honestly, though, the more the more after Tom Brady left New England, the more I like the guy. I he's just now getting into this point where he's away from Belichick, where he can kind of be funny, and I I enjoy. It. I'm here for it. I'm here for Brady. Talking shit on Twitter and getting drunk at their Super Bowl. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, oh, I'm here for it too. I'm here for the match five. I guess it's the match five. Uh, the Twitter, if the Twitter beef like continue, if the match lives up to the hype of the Twitter beef, I'm here for it. Uh, it's going to be in place. They should replace Phil with Brooks. Have Brooks and Brady play against Bryson and Rogers. That'd be amazing. That uh, you'd have four, you'd have four people going into a, you'd have a fight at a golf course. You would literally have like a tag team match at a golf course in Montana of all of all places, Big Sky, Montana. I'm here I mean, for. They, it. I'm here for. It. I, I like it. The go- they probably have so the let, let them play. Let them be like hockey players. Let them, let them throw punches if they need. <laughs> they, they, I, I think they had this planned out for a while though, because Phil was talking about it with the. Phil was ta- Phil was tweeting about it uh, with uh, uh, talking about it on Twitter when after he won the PGA because uh, uh, Brady was congratulating him and talking about it. And he's like we've got unfinished business so I I had a feeling that a ma- another match uh, that would be on TNT like that it was brewing um, uh, I just wasn't expecting that him and Brady would be going up against Rogers and and D- Bryson so quickly I mean. July, like July, when you really think about it, like they're in their practice, like they're 
I wouldn't, they're like towards the end of like the important part of the golf season. And then with July also, like, you know, you're just getting ready to start like football season with like, oh, actual OTAs, training camp's going to begin soon and everything. So, but then again, Aaron Rodgers could also leave the Packers and may retire from football. So who knows what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> and Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Right. Um, no, I'm here for that match. I mean, those matches are always fun to watch because I mean, you get to see guys like the Brady who, when he played last year in the match, just isn't that great at golf. But he had a great shot. He made all. He, he, had, he had one good shot. Otherwise, he was playing pretty bad golf. But uh, no, I I enjoyed it. I enjoy watching these. I mean, it's just fun. Kind of take it. Kind of takes the seriousness out of the golf world, and it it's for a good cause. Yes, it's all for charity. Um, uh, although I don't know, like what the winning team gets to pick the charity. Wington gets to pick the charity. Well, Whatever I know charities that, like, they would want to donate to, they do it that way. Yeah, I know that because I can like I yeah because it wasn't for charity at first. I know that when Tiger and Phil did their the mat like did the initial the first the match. Yeah, it was just for like, money. The, the winner just got a million dollars. And it was a win- that, It was that was one of the worst golf showings I've ever seen from those two. That was the worst match ever. Hey, hey, who won that though? Phil the Thrill did. <laughs> Phil did. Yeah, I mean both of them got. I mean. Neither of you guys really lost. They both got paid very well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the real losers were people that like had to uh, try and buy Bleacher Report VR Live uh, because it's, it was only on there, yep. which was annoying. But um, uh, no, I'm glad that these are on TNT now, and I'm looking forward to it there. But uh, once again, congratulations to Phil the Thrill winning the PGA Championship. Hopefully you can continue your success and finally get that U.S. Open. Uh, that's the one major I thought he would actually win. <laughs> I thought maybe I mean, he's, he got actually, than, he's got less than a month. He could win it. He could he win it. Very much that Tory Pines is gonna is literally another chorus that's gonna play just like Kawhi just did. So yeah, yeah. So and Tor, Phil is familiar. Phil is familiar with Tory. And well, actually, no. Phil's really not familiar with Tory Pines. That's a Tiger course. Yeah, that's playing, a Tiger that's course. course right there. But um, no. Tory Pines is gonna play just as long as just as hard as Kawhi Kiowa. just did or Kiowa. Yep. Kiowa. Um, it's all good. So, yeah, it'll be definitely fun to see. I mean, we'll clearly talk about that when it gets closer. Like we said, June 17th is the start of it. So that'll be fun to see as well. I just hope I just hope for the golf world uh, it's another good showing. I really hope Ricky Fowler can kind of – I mean, he actually didn't play bad this weekend. It'll be nice to see him back in contention after he's kind of been – he kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while, didn't make the Masters this year. He just finished minus one this past weekend. So maybe Ricky's finding his form again. That will be nice to see. That would be nice to see, too. I know. Uh, my friend was actually following uh, – he followed follower, Fowler's group uh, for the first day, and uh, he was, uh, he was like, just, like, doing, like, live updates and whatnot on how Ricky was doing. And I'm like, chill, bro. It's Thursday. Calm down. Tournaments aren't one on Thursday. They're one on Sunday. And he's like, I know, I know. I'm just excited for Ricky. You know how how, <laughs> how I'm a big Ricky fan. And I said, I know, I know. I'm just I'm just R- fucking with you. Ricky's got to change that Sunday outfit, though. He can't be rocking the orange anymore. The I, orange I, is I think, ugly. I think that's Ricky's problem is he's too much for the kids. Ricky's got to come out one Sunday and just black on black and just ready to kill someone and have that. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what Ricky needs. Ricky just needs to change his style. He can't be – he can't be the – all of their outfits. He's got to be, boom, here it is. I'm here to play golf, and that's about it. Um, I'm done doing commercials. 
I'm done fucking around unless you're let's play golf, Ricky. It'd be nice to see him play good again. I mean, it was good showing for him this weekend, so maybe they'll bring him back in. Yeah, that's fair there. I can see that. I, I would agree with that there because I do think the orange I just think the orange is ugly. I, I, I'm just not a fan of it. And like while well, my back in twenty thirteen it was cool. Yeah, my sense of fashion isn't great. I mean, let's be honest here, but like even a dummy even a dummy <laughs> like me with no sense of fashion knows that like orange is kind of ugly, like especially on a golf course. Uh, but uh, with that being said, I kind of just want to move into our next topic here. And I just want to continue talking about the NHL playoffs because games come thick and fast every day. Uh, we already have one series completed and it's not the outcome we all expected. Uh, we have a few uh, two other series completed. Two series are completed. Yes, two series are completed. Yes, one of them was an expectation uh, that we all expected. The other one, we didn't really expect that to happen. So, oh no, we did not. I, I was excited for when that happened. Uh, we have a few more series that could potentially end at, tonight uh, on Wednesday. Um, uh, I know that, but uh, go right into it. I'll just have you go right into it, sir. Um, uh, we'll start with the uh, Blues and the Avs, and we will say au revoir to. The garbage, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Bennington, and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, and uh, just like, what did you think of, about that series overall? I mean, me and you both said this going in. Colorado's clearly favorite to win the cup. And uh, or also, we lied. There's three series complete. Boston just beat Washington the other night as well. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yes. Um, I, so going, into, going into St. Louis and Colorado, um, it was kind of expected. I mean, Colorado is just too big of a powerhouse, to be fair. And they kind of, this came in and just – they really dominated the series from puck drop to that final whistle in game four. There was no question about it that Colorado was coming out with the series. Um, there's really nothing to say about the series other than Colorado dominated, to be honest. I mean, all Colorado's lines were buzzing. They had great goaltending. Um, the best thing to come out of the series, to be honest – besides me picking Colorado beginning of the season, so I'm moving on, is Colorado's goalie's Instagram post. <laughs> Bennington skating down on him in game one, and he's saying on to the next, basically. And that was the best thing to come out of the series was that post. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I'm happy Colorado won. It, it, was, it wasn't a boring series because I was watching Colorado's games just strictly on the fact that I want them to win. But, I mean, you knew it was coming. Everyone knew it was going to happen. St. Louis really didn't stand a chance. I mean, that Ryan O'Reilly comment, I think everyone's just kind of brushing it under the bus just based on the fact that Ryan O'Reilly is already a Stanley Cup champion with this Blues team. So no one really cared. He could say whatever he wanted. Colorado's winning the series no matter what. So Colorado, for you guys, on to the next. We're going to beat Vegas or Minnesota, and we're going to the Western Conference Finals, boys. Or I don't even know what they call it, the Western Conference Finals anymore. I don't know what they call no, it. No, they're not calling it that season. Like, it's only just the Western – it's the Western – it's the West Division. I feel like it's old school. You know how, like – No, but, but I'm saying like, – I'm saying, what is what is the semifinals called this year? It's just called the Stanley Cup semifinals. Like, you still – technically, you have – Technically, you have the Western Division Finals. Well, I'm I'm looking at it now, and I think it's like old school. You know how like yeah. it used to be like the Adams Division Finals, uh, and even like uh, the Prince of like uh, Prince what of Wales, yeah. the Prince of Wales, and how it used to be like the uh, the the Campbell Conference and like whatever the other conference was before they changed. Jeez, it you're throwing, you're throwing it way way back. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, the, I'm throwing it back to like when my like when our parents were watching hockey. Well, you're throwing it back to your dad's heyday. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Okay. Well, how many times, like, uh, how many times have like we have gone into the key bank center um, uh, and saw you see like, all the uh, Adams? You see all the Adams. Uh, Adams, Divi- yep. Adams Division uh, champions, Prince of Wales champions. They won the Prince of Wales t- title in 1980 and didn't even make it to the final. They ended up losing to the Islanders, if I'm correct. Yeah, you are correct because that was when up- that was when the Islanders kind of went on their run. I think. Yeah, Going into that, that was like their run of like four Stanley Cups in a row. That was their first of four. But, yeah, so I feel like it's kind of like old school. But I really don't have anything to say other than Colorado's just – Colorado's just too damn good. They just Probably. did what they needed to do. They dominated. They did what they needed to do. I want Vegas. I mean, I, I, I oh, would love you. Minnesota. Huh? Oh, you want Vegas over Minnesota. Yeah, I want Vegas oh, over no. Minnesota. I would love to see I a Minnesota upset here. I think Minnesota – I would... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I think Minnesota is a team that is very nitty gritty. They don't have the real superstars besides uh, Kaprizov. Really, they they have they have guys who are there to work hard and get the job done. So that's why I love to see Minnesota take the series. What is the series now? There two two. So three two, three two Vegas. Be nice Vegas can close that. out. Yeah, Vegas can close out today, or Minnesota can force Game Seven. But uh, the only reason why I want Vegas is because let's be honest here, like a Colorado Vegas series that could definitely that's a series that will easily go seven, and that's a very that would be a very entertaining series just from just based on how dominant both teams have been. But don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm not huge on Vegas. I'm really not huge on Vegas, uh, especially like you know how they got hot out the gates. Like it was a nice story and everything, but I'm kind of hoping they bottle it in the playoffs again and kind of lose in the first round to Minnesota, but uh, that would be very interesting there. Um, uh, another series that came to an end, uh, the Caps and Bruins. Uh, Dave Portnoy called it, uh, hashtag Bruins in five. Um, uh, Port- I, I, Portnoy was right. Um, I think uh, you also Jeff- called it. Huh? I think you also called that series. I think I did. Maybe I did. I'll have to take a look at that. Maybe I did that. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty I, sure you called that series. I, I was impressed I- about when I saw them win. Because I really thought that – I thought that series for sure was going seven, in my opinion. I thought it was going six or seven, too. Okay, I'm going to have to take a look at that. Maybe uh, maybe I did call that. Because um, uh, uh, maybe I did call that. Nice. If I yeah, did, you said the Bruins were just too good. So. Oh, we're genius. I mean, we're geniuses. Then. You're a genius. I, I picked Washington. No, I picked Boston in seven. You picked – I'm a genius. Let's go. You okay, are a genius. I'm a, I'm a genius, and I didn't even know it. Let's go. But, uh, no, the Bruins were just too good. Um, uh, honestly – I really didn't th- – like like you, I was kind of hoping that the series would go seven just because of how physical both teams are. Uh, it was a very nitty-gritty series, even though it only won five games. Um, game, th- uh, game three, was it? Uh, it was game three when they when Washington just kind of fucked it up there in overtime and Boston ended up winning that. Was That, that was game three, right? Yes. Yeah, that I feel like that kind of just like demoralized Washington and Boston went from there into cruise control because I feel like if that didn't happen, I feel like Washington had a good chance to win game three and maybe push momentum back into their favor. But an incident like that kind of just like changes momentum there, kind of demoralizes a team. And I feel like it showed for Washington. Uh, and But then again, looking at the Bruins, it, they're just too good. Like they're too good on a look at like they all just play really well together on both sides of the puck, offense and defense. And somehow Tuka Rask still finds a way to like kind of get the job done in goal t- in goal. And I'm you know Bruins fans like kill me. Like 
they 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 always complain about Tuka Rask, but like once the playoffs come and he kind of stands on his head for a few games, they're like, "Oh, I love you, Tuka Rask!" Like, "Oh my God," kind of irks me. But um, uh, your thoughts on the series, sir? I don't really want to go on a rant too much about the Bruins. Yeah, no. Um, Boston really just looked dominant in the series. To be honest, they control they for the most part controlled. Actually, I really could say every single game they controlled. They controlled the game. Um. Game one, they just didn't get enough shots on Craig Anderson, in my opinion. Um, they could have won that game, but they just didn't want to throw pucks at the net. They finally figured out that they just throw pucks at the net on him. He's an old goaltender who was shaky. I mean, he barely played the season for them. Uh, Washington starting goalkeeper was out. So, I mean, I, I really thought the series was going to go seven just based on the fact that how physical these teams are. I know it was a 3-2 three, three, series. But I really think Boston was just could really should have been the one in this division, and so I think they're just too strong. And I think they will move on from whoever they play in the East. I mean, New York could close out tonight in that Pittsburgh series. I think uh, they will. I, I also think I hope they will, just based on the fact that I can't stand Pittsburgh. Um, but I think Boston moves on into the uh, the NHL Cup Stanley or NHL Stanley Cup playoff semifinals, whatever they were calling it now. <laughs> so um, stupid. But no, Boston really, in my opinion, just dominated the series from really just like kind of Colorado did from the puck drop until the final whistle. Another series where just everything was clicking for Boston. I mean, Tuka Rass just for some reason in playoffs always looks like more of a stud than he does in the regular season. And he just gets it done for that team. I mean, every single line for Boston was buzzing. Their defense looked phenomenal. So, I mean, that's really yeah. all. Yeah, no, I mean, like, no, I mean, honestly, it uh... Honestly, like Boston's uh, Boston's kind of at a high right now, and I feel like that they should find a way to, whether it's Pittsburgh or whether it's the Islanders, whoever comes out on that series, I feel like they should find their way to go into the Stanley Cup semifinals uh, representing the East Division. Uh, but we'll see what happens there, depending on who they play in the next round of the playoffs. But one more series did close out. And nobody saw this coming. I didn't see this coming. You didn't see this coming. Canada didn't even see this coming. Yeah, we were very wrong about this series. Everybody was very wrong about this series. Everybody thought that the Edmonton Oilers were going to beat the Winnipeg Jets. But instead, they got kicked out of the playoffs. Once again, under underachieving, underperforming. The Brooms got out. And Winnipeg is on to the next round of the playoffs where they will face, most likely face Toronto. They have a 3-1 lead over Montreal. But anything can happen there. I mean, it is Toronto after all. They may bottle it still. But uh Perennial bottle job, Edmund. The uh, perennial bottle job, Edmonton Oilers. Um, uh, they got some explaining to do. They just got some explaining to do. I mean, I'll, I'll let you start off first. I'll let you give your opinions because I got some things I gotta say. I feel like. Um. So Edmonton really, they shut down Drysdale and McDavid for the most part. A oh, Winnipeg. I said, fuck, Winnipeg shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, They were really just very – I think more physical than Edmonton expected in this series, to be honest. I mean, no one expected Winnipeg to win this series. And to win it in the fashion they did, I mean, well, the third overtime uh, to sweep them, I mean, it's just yes. amazing. I mean, Connor McDavid, once again, I said this in the first podcast, can't get it done in – Maybe it was – I don't remember when I said this. But I said to somebody, I don't know if it was you or someone else, I said, Conor McDavid can't get it done in playoffs. And he has shown again that he can't. Um, I, he is – I think 
he's he definitely stays in Edmonton. For everyone who thinks he's going to leave Edmonton, fuck you. I I think McDavid's the guy who's going to stay there and try to help that organization still, in my opinion. But no, Winnipeg was just I think too physical for Edmonton, and they didn't know what to do with that. So. I have a lot of issues, like a lot of things going against uh, about the Oilers. And the thing is, though, is like I'm not going to discredit the Winnipeg Jets because they just flat out dominated the series. They yeah. were physical. They were physical. And game, like when I saw going back to game one, when I saw that Nikola Ehlers and Pierre Luc Dubois were not playing in game one, I'm like, oh my fucking, oh my God, here we go. Edmonton's just going to mop the floor with Winnipeg. Uh, they're going to mop the floor with Winnipeg, take game one. Uh, and then and it, it and it won't be any looking back for Edmonton. Nope, Winnipeg wins game one, and, I, uh, and they ended up winning four to one. They scored two empty net goals, and, I'm, uh, and I was shocked. Then they win game two, and they they win game two, and I'm like, oh, and Winnipeg's got two old lead. I think I, mean, as, I think as soon as Winnipeg won game two, most people knew that series was over. I thought the series was over, but I thought maybe Edmonton would try to force it to games four to to either six or seven. But then we get to game three. You had a four-to-one lead in the third period of in game three of the first round, and you pull off one of the biggest bottle jobs I have ever seen in recent Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, that was tough. That I mean, no, no I, I, mean, I didn't expect that. I, I I actually turned that game off because they were up four to one. So I ended up turning off the game, and going to bed because I thought Edmonton was just going to win. Yeah, I mean that's what that's exactly what I thought. I. I was uh, I was just taking care of some like uh, doing I was just taking care of some stuff in the kitchen and I had the game on like in the background and I see it's four two I didn't go to bed I ended up watching the game and I saw I saw the bottle job and everything and I'm like oh my god like I I go to bed I couldn't believe like what I just seen because like you really think that Edmonton has a four to one lead in a game like that and. I understand, like, like, I didn't think, like, Winnipeg would beat a team to, like, actually try and come back and eventually win that game. I know that they're hardworking. I know that they're gritty and everything. But that just goes to show how well Paul Maurice is, is as a head coach. Like, yeah. he he put on a coaching masterclass this entire series. Like, but then again, it also helps that these two teams played each other ten times in the season. And maybe you think that Edmonton would expect, like, would know what to expect from Winnipeg, but – Maurice also goes to show that he still has some tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, they, they were uh, more they were more physical in this series than they have been all season, to be honest. Oh no, without a doubt. If you had to see any Winnipeg game, they were never this physical. No, they were not. I mean, what gets me is I feel like they just kind of found like a turn, found an extra burner somewhere, maybe like a kind of maybe like a, a golden horseshoe up their ass or something. I mean, it's like just that. playoffs. You get an extra, you get that extra fucking flame under your ass, and you get going. And Edmonton's flame kind of just like fizzled out, like uh, after game one. But then we go into game four, and honestly, I stayed I, up for this game. I'm proud of myself. I'm <laughs> proud of myself too. I was proud of myself at the moment, but then when I woke up the next morning for work, <laughs> I was not proud of myself because I was on four hours. I, let me tell you, I was on four. I was on four hours of sleep going for. But what really pissed me off was like I, the first overtime ended. Then the second, we get in the second overtime. Yeah. And Mike Smith is kind of just like stopping all these Winnipeg shots. And I'm like, just let one in. I want to go to bed. You're going home anyways. But, but like for the game to end in three overtimes, like it just goes to show that like Edmonton wasn't trying to go home. Like they, they weren't giving up. But when it just goes to show that like Winnipeg wasn't about to, Winnipeg wasn't about to give up and lose this game either. Like they wanted right. to end the series. 
And it just goes again to show the physicalness, the mentality. And like in both the both of these teams were just like on different spectrums and different different levels when you really think about it. Like you can we take a second to talk about that Schleifley shot though to tie the game up? Go right ahead. Yes. That was one of the most beautiful one timers I've ever seen. And I've played hockey since I was three years old. I've watched hockey since I could remember. Um that was one of the most beautiful one-timers I've ever seen in my life. He plays that perfectly. And at that point when they tied it up, I knew this. I knew Edmonton was getting sweeped. Just that shot was just unbelievable. And you could see that momentum just turn right there. I, I get it went a couple more periods, but you just knew at that point that Winnipeg was winning the series in four. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean – once again, it just goes to show that, like, you could have, like, you could have the top – you you literally could have the top two players in the league on your team and you won't get anything done if you don't have a good supporting cast. You take you take Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl off the Edmonton Oilers, which, I mean, they both were practically invisible this series, and look what happens. The Edmonton Oilers are garbage. They are literally dog shit, and it makes me wonder, like, what the hell the organization is going to do in terms of trying to get them where they need to be. Because I really don't think they have a great supporting cast around them, and it just goes to show that, like, if you isolate McDavid and isolate Dreisaitl and get them away, get them out of the play for the most part, it just, like, kill, it just, like, you know, it just goes to show that, the team as a whole, like, they just can't get it done. <laughs> they just can't get it done. I mean, when you really think about it. But, I mean, I'm not an Oilers, I'm not an Oilers fan. I don't like the Oilers, to be honest. I think that the league kind of sucks them off too much, mainly because of Gretzky. McDavid. Well, because, of, suck- because of McDavid, I think. Well, I- well they, I think they suck them off mainly because of, like, Gretzky uh, in the past and now McDavid in the present and future. Kind of like... I kind of like the same thing about the Leafs. I feel like the league sucks the Leafs off a lot, mainly because of their past, but now also because of Austin Matthews. But, I I mean, like, I'm just glad that Edmonton went home. I really am. Uh, Another season where McDavid won't do anything – and then, and and at the same time, at, at being a being a Sabres fan, I'm kind of looking at it, be like, you know, I feel like maybe, I, I and like I'm not trying to take anything away from Michael here or anything, but I'm like, you know, maybe if McDavid, like we, if maybe like the Sabres won that lottery pick in 15 and we took McDavid with the talent we have, we we'd have around him, I feel like maybe we maybe he would have done better in Buffalo than in Edmonton in terms of actually trying to compete for a cup. Yeah, my thing is, though, now that he is in Edmonton, and this is the part that kills me, I know I talked to you about this the other day. Yeah. If for some reason, I know I said he probably won't, but if he does, if he forces himself out of Edmonton, this is just going to absolutely kill the market for Eichel, in my opinion. Oh, yes, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, the thing is, though, as we talked about the other day, like, at, like, the market, the market, like, I don't want to go too much into it mainly because, like, it's not a topic of discussion. But, uh, yeah, I, like, if McDavid does find a way to force himself out, the market's going to change drastically. Because, honestly, like, I, like, when you really think about it, if Connor McDavid comes out to the media and says, I want out of Edmonton, if you're not going after Connor McDavid, you're fucking stupid. Yeah. I think every team would go after him, but we can get off of that now. We can get off of that now. But, yes. Um, uh, but going off of that, I mean, like, those three series are done. 
Um, well, if three more series could be closed out tonight or uh, could go to a game seven, um, I do think the Islanders close out the Penguins tonight. I would love the Islanders to close out the Penguins tonight. I'm not, I'm, I'm never, I've never been huge on the Penguins. Um, while I respect Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, like I, 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 I don't like them, but I respect their game. Um, uh, Ve- I think Vegas closes out Minnesota tonight. Um, uh, I mean, I would love Minnesota to force a game seven, honestly. That would be great because that would just go to the show that, like, you know, it's Stanley Cup playoffs. That's, like, why playoff hockey is amazing and why the best playoff format in sports. Uh, what's the other series that can be closed out Pan- tonight? Panthers and Lightning. I, I said on oh, the podcast when we previewed, when we previewed uh, the playoffs, I said the Battle of Florida will go seven, and I want the Panthers to take the series. I really hope Panthers force the game seven tonight and can take the series from the Lightning. That would be great. I mean, that would honestly be great because that would really be great, honestly. Um, uh, Mainly just because I'm not huge on Tampa Bay. I'm not huge on any Tampa sports team, let's be honest. I mean, I wasn't huge on the Bucs even before Brady got there. Um, uh, I just think that uh, Tampa Bay sports, like, you know, they're mainly mediocre for the most part. And when they do compete for championships, they find a way to just become bottle jobs. Especially their baseball team. Yeah, their baseball team is a huge bottle job. Um, uh, but um, uh, for the Lightning to lose to Panthers, like if they lose and get knocked out, that would be great. Um, uh, I think Florida will win tonight. I don't think that's. I think that series will go seven, just like you and I thought. But um, uh, going off of that, I don't have anything else I want to uh, touch on with the NHL playoffs because. Well, I think, I think if Nashville ends up beating Carolina. In the series, I think that'll be the biggest upset of the playoffs, even bigger than Winnipeg and Edmonton. I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, I mean, I'll agree to a point, but at the same time, like I'm not going to lie, I really have, I really have not paid attention to that series a lot, and I think I told you this like a couple of days ago, and I kind of wish I had paid more attention to it, just because like. Uh, the games have been really close. Like the atmospheres are are nuts down there because it's the South and they don't give a shit. I think they have almost full capacity arenas for the most part, minus a few thousand seats. the uh, The games have been really close. Uh, how many How many games? Have, almost almost all of the games have gone into overtime, right? How many games have gone into overtime? Three, four. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Three or four gone into overtime. Uh, so I wish I paid a little bit more attention to that series, but I'm not. I'm not huge on. Car- I'm not huge on Carolina. Yeah, three of them went into overtime. Yeah, I'm not huge on Carolina, and honestly, Nashville. Whenever I watch Nashville, I'm just not entertained by like how they play. So like my my opinion on the series is like, all right, whoever wins this series is going to lose to Tampa or Florida, in my opinion. But. Uh, I, I may be wrong on this one. Who I feel like whoever wins the NAS the NASCAR series, as I'm as as I'm calling it, get it NASCAR. <laughs> uh, I, I won't quit my day job anytime soon. Don't you worry. Yeah, but... don't, yeah don't do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the winner of the NASCAR series, um, uh, NASCAR, NASCAR. Na- no, I say NASCAR because, like, you know, NA like when you no, say I, I, I know, but it'll sound better if you said NASCAR. NASCAR. There's been a little bit of like a twist to it. <laughs> but uh, I feel like whoever wins that series may give the winner of the Battle of Florida a run for their money, just based on how that's just based on how everything's been going and it's the playoffs. But yeah, uh, I'm shocked Nashville has won. I'm honestly shocked Nashville won two games in this series. So I, I thought Carolina was going to sweep the series. 
So I thought maybe five. I thought maybe five. I, I didn't think. Uh, but if that goes, if that if Carolina closes in six, I mean, kudos to them. If Nashville forces seven, hey, more more hockey to more hockey for us. But uh, I really don't have anything else to go into uh, that. Uh, like I said, the games come thick and thin. We got three tonight. We got more. We'll have more tomorrow. We'll have games all the way up until July. Like what, mid July when the Stanley Cup final uh, comes to an end or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're pretty much set. I mean, we're gonna be talking hockey up until the end of the hockey playoffs, up until the end of the Stanley Cup final. Um, uh, but now I I want to go into a little bit of baseball here. Uh, kind of just want to touch on some things. Um, uh, so one thing that has become a topic of discussion in baseball in what's been a, what's been an entertaining season, but it hasn't been short of headlines is. I saw like a last week or a couple last week last week about no hitters and how people feel that the pitching and the more and and the no hitters have kind of made the game boring to watch, and I, I mean honestly we've had six, baseball has had six official no hitters seven if you count Madison Bumgarner's we had a discussion on that. Uh, uh, we, we agreed to disagree on that topic there, but, uh, going off of it, I mean, I don't think that having six no hitters right now is a problem. I think maybe, I don't know, just hit the ball. Try don't, I, I think maybe people, I think maybe offenses just need to, uh, go back and review the mechanics of how to hit a baseball. Honestly, I, I keep seeing things about how the pitching has gotten better, which I do think it has gotten better. So you need to adapt to the better pitching. Um, there's there's stories about how Manfred changed the baseballs because offense in baseball was at an all time high for a good stretch there. And now it's at record lows for the most part, but I don't know. Like, like, what do you think? I'm going to agree with you. Just fucking hit the ball. I mean, if these pitches are getting better, you have to make your batters better. Your batters just simply need to be better. That's all it is. Um, baseball is – hitting a baseball is one of the toughest things to do in any sport. I think most people wouldn't agree with that. But just hit yes. the ball. I, I, If you can't hit the ball, I love to see these no-nos. I love to see these no-hitters just based on the fact that now you get to see these pitchers shine – where for a while you just see like these average pitchers getting lit up. Now you actually get to experience these pitchers and what they can do. I enjoy the no hitters. I think it makes baseball the sport it is. Um, based on like you can just shut people out by just one person, which is one person can do it all for your team basically. And yeah, I enjoy seeing it. I mean, I've enjoyed seeing it. I mean, we, I, I, like, you know, you're going to say six, I'm going to say seven, but we've had, we've had the most no hitters right now in a, in the start to a season. And we're one away from the most no hit, one away from the most no hitters in the modern era. And that goes back. To, and that was back in the nineties, 80. And that was back in the eight nineties. I think it was 1991. There was seven, no, there was seven no hitters in the entire season. And we're one away. I mean, what Joe Musgrove uh, had the first no hitter. Uh, the pitcher for the Padres. Then a week late, just a week later, uh, Carlos Rodon of the White Sox hit had a no hitter. John Means had a no hitter for, uh, for the Orioles uh, against the Mariners uh, just under a month. And then uh, the month of May continued to see no hitters. Like two days later, Wade Miley of the Reds pitched one against Cleveland. Then Spencer Turnbull of the Tigers 
threw one just last week on the 18th. And then one day after that, Corey Kluber no-hit the Texas Rangers. And honestly, so most of these, some of these no-hitters actually came close to a perfect game. Uh, Joe Musgrove, I believe, had a hit by Joe Musgrove, I believe, hit had a hit by pitch. So he didn't he didn't hit, and nobody had a hit. Nobody had a walk. His the only base runner that he gave up was a hit by pitch. Carlos Rodon, I think, only gave up one walk. John Means, the only base runner that he had, he the only base runner that he had was somebody that reached first on a drop third strike, which breaks my heart a little bit, honestly. Uh, Spencer Turnbull, I know, walked four, uh, but Corey Kluber only walked one too. So like four of these pitchers came within a walk or a hit by, like, look at that. Like you could, we could have had four perfect games in this season. If not for somebody reaching on a base on balls or, you know, somebody getting hit because, uh, you know, the ball just kind of slipped out of the arm and didn't go into the direction it wanted to, or because the catcher didn't throw the first base, uh, Right, uh, and ac- accurately after a drop third strike, but it's just crazy. Like, I mean, what really bothers me about this is that, like, I, I understand like offense has been low at, at a low point. I mean, most teams like were barely. Most teams are like around 250, 275. I know at some points like there were a few teams like that were just barely above two hundred. But I mean, I feel like you know that's down to like the hitting coach. Uh, and also just like the mechanics of like, you know, working on your swing, trying to make contact, just trying to make contact with the ball. A lot of baseball players now, it kills me. Like they want to be power hitters and because they can get more money as a power hitter. Whereas if you're a contact hitter, you won't make as much money. But it just kind of annoys me because it's like, no, just make contact with the ball. Try to get the first base. Like uh, there's no reason to try and hit the ball out of a out of the ballpark like to right to the center field at like 425 feet every game uh, when all you really need to do is like just try and get on base and then the runs will come after that because eventually the pitcher is going to get tired. Or maybe I'm just old school, you know? I, I'm in the same boat as you are. I, I completely agree with you. Like We might just be old school, but I completely agree with everything you just said. I, I mean, it just kind of annoys me. Like, uh, it kind of annoys me. Like, I, I like I'm like even watching the Yankees. Like when they were in their slump, like when they're in their slump, or before they kind of, before they kind of brought, got got back on the right track. Like you know, and even like the past few seasons, like watching the Yankees. I understand your moniker is the Bronx Bombers or whatever, but like you don't need to have every single person trying to hit for power, trying to hit the ball to the wall or over the wall, or try to get those double get those right. Doubles. Just get on base. Just get on base. Hit. I like. I mean, they've been more. I feel like watching them this season. They've been more consistent with trying to get on base, and they've been trying for power, which is good. Because honestly, just get the first, and anything can happen after that. I mean, yeah, double play included. But shit, I'd rather see you trying to hit the ball with contact instead of striking out. Uh, straight striking out, looking, uh, expecting that ninety-five mile an hour fastball to come at the, down the plate, and it does, and you just stand there like duh which I've seen way too many times. It annoys me as a baseball fan. But um, uh, another thing I kind of just want to go into now is uh, over the past co- over the past couple weeks, uh, Tony La- Tony Larusa became the topic of controversy in baseball because um, there was a game against the Minnesota Twins, and I believe that they were up fifteen to four on the Twins in, in this game, and the Twins had a position player pitching on the mound. 
So the game is practically over. Game's done and over with. You got a position player on the mound. Uh, one of the White Sox players uh, ended up taking like ended up taking like one of the pitches from the position player on a three zero count. So like he's one pitch away from walking, and he just takes it to the moon, sends a moonshot out of the pond, pretty much like into the stands or whatever. And Larusa like lost his shit. He called out the player in in the media. He called out another one of his players as well, uh, Lance Lynn, saying, "Oh, he's got a locker. I've got an office or whatever," but. I mean, this, like, I was talking with a few of my friends about this, and, like, it's kind of divide, kind of like, you know, divisive opinion on it. Like, you know, and then it just kind of led in, into a whole can of worms about, like, LaRusa's managerial style. Like, is he too old school for the game? Uh, you know, are, are these unwritten rules really necessary? Um, uh, you know, uh, do position, should position players be pitching on a mound, uh, on the mound in a blowout like that? Should baseball have mercy rules or whatever? Like a whole can of worms just kind of like came out of nowhere out of all, yeah. out of one incident. Uh, so, in my opinion, you should never have a position player on the mound. You have enough pitchers in your bullpen to at least throw one out there to get you something. You should never have a position player on that mound. So if you want to take him yard, take him yard. Why not? See, it's still, it's still a game. Like to me, it's it's still a competitive game. Yes. So if he's out there, it's fair play, in my opinion. That's where I stand on that. So topic. what bothers me about the whole thing is like it got blown out of proportion. And then a couple of days later, I found out that like everybody thought that Larusa was just like calling this player out, and. Apparently, like he was standing on top of the like at the top of the dugout, like at the stairs, yelling, "Don't swing!" And the player just ignored him. But what really bothers me about it is like how Larusa handled it. Like he went to the media saying all this stuff about his players, and I'm like, "You're managing this baseball club, which you had tw- ten games over 500 at one point, yeah, and and you let one little incident like that happen that you." like that happened and it kind of just like opens up a whole can of worms. And I feel like they kind of just like lost a little, I like, I, I haven't paid attention to the White Sox the past couple of days. I'm not going to lie because like, I'm not a White Sox fan. I'm not going to, but after that series against the twins, they go to New York and they get swept by the Yankees. Like, I feel like you, you know, you, you're supposedly like one of the best teams in baseball. You were 10 games over 500 at one point. And because of one little incident, you kind of just like, you know, Go on, go go a little bit off the rails and get swept by a team that was starting to find that was continuing to find their groove, which I will admit the Yankees are. Yeah, you guys finally started to find your groove. But um, you guys are uh, seven and three in your last ten. We were seven and three in our last ten. I mean, we lost to the Blue Jays last night. The yeah. Yankees won't be playing tonight. They'll be playing a doubleheader tomorrow because apparently it's raining down in New York City. But yet, last I checked, like there was really no rain in the forecast, so they must get their weather from the onion. <laughs> So, but that that, that, that kind of just frustrates me there. But um, uh, I, I don't know. Like, is Tony La Russa, like, old school? Yes. Because, well, he's been around the game for. He's been around so as long around, as I can remember. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he was out of the game for 10 years. He left after he won the World Series with the Cardinals 10, 10 years ago. Then he comes back uh, to manage the White Sox, which I didn't think was a great hire in my honest opinion. But uh, I'm, I don't own the White Sox, so I can't make that decision. But uh, everybody feared that something like this was going to happen. And lo and behold, it happens. You know, you fear for the worst. You fear for the worst, and so, and sometimes the worst does happen. But um, uh, 
I don't know, like, it opened up a whole can of worms. Like, do I believe a position player should be on the mound? No, you play a fucking, get, get a bullpen pitcher out. I'm sorry, okay? Get a bullpen pitcher out. I understand you don't want to deplete your bullpen, but that's what they get paid to do. They get paid to pitch, okay? You don't need them sitting in there, like, having a position player pitch and throw, like, EFIS pitches at, like, 37 miles an hour or whatever for moonshots to happen. Like, if it's coming your way, swing and take it to the moon. But if the, but if LaRusa did say something yelling at the top of his lungs, you gotta listen to the manager there. In terms of mercy rules, no. Mercy rules should not happen in Major League Baseball. They're seven years old. No, fuck off. You guys get paid to play this sport. <laughs> yeah. mercy, mercy rules for your Little League team. Where um where the coach knows all the parents with the good kids, so they take them. No, mercy rule should not be a thing in baseball. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree there. Mercy rule should not be in baseball. Mercy rule should not be in any sports. Come on, no, imagine, that, come on. That's, that, that, that's the that's literally Sunday league. <laughs> it is Sunday league. Come on, imagine imagine if there was mercy rule in the imagine if there was mercy rule in the NFL. Like imagine like you take like oh shit. Say the Chiefs have to play. Say the Chiefs are playing like the Jets or whatever. Like I'm just gonna name a good team and a garbage team. They're playing at home. Chiefs are playing at home against the Jets, and they're up 45 to nothing at halftime. They gonna call the game after that? Hell no. The Jets are gonna walk out there and continue to get their asses handed to them in the second half of the game. That's exa- You get paid to do that. No right, exactly. No speaking, of, speaking of New York, though, going back for a second, um, I just got the update on my phone. The Mets game was also just postponed due to rain. Oh, so maybe it is raining there. It was right. maybe, maybe maybe you get your forecast from an onion. From the onion, hold, uh, let me. You know what? Honestly, I'm about to check the weather forecast for New York <laughs> City right now. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh shit! Uh, it's a thunderstorm right now. 68 degrees oh. in New York City. Oh, once uh, again, but- Jeremy is giving you fake news on this podcast, people. We apologize. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Literally like an hour before, like at, when they postponed the game, to be fair, it was sunny and clear skies in New York. So this, so the Yankees must have, so this storm must have shifted in order for the game to post be postponed. So I do apologize there. And this is why you're not a weatherman, Jeremy. This is why you are not a weatherman. Well, I mean, the weatherman, come on, the weatherman, being a weatherman is the only job where you're allowed to fuck it up and not get fired, okay? I can literally. Uh, Yeah, 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 you're true. That is is a truism. I literally could go uh, be a weatherman, go on to um, uh, the news in Buffalo or Rochester or whatever and say it's going to snow on the 4th of July. I will not get fired. I would love to see you one day just. Just like just a fill-in meteorologist one day and just fuck everything up. That'd be amazing. <laughs> All the climate change people will be like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I love it. That uh, is another put, put Jerry as a meteorologist for one day. I think I would I would even pay pay-per-view to see that. <laughs> I am not a man of science, but I am a <laughs> I am a man I am a man of I am a man of many wonders. Science is not one of them. Uh, I wouldn't I say many wonders. I say maybe you're a man of sports. That's about it. <laughs> you too, buddy. You too. Well, but I um, mean, I I never said you were wrong. I never said I was a man of many wonders. Hey, I'm hey, good hey, for hey, one hey. thing and one thing only is sports, and that is hey, the only hey. knowledge in the world, people. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, going uh, speaking of New York, how are your Mets doing? Are they still? They were top of the NL East last time I checked. We are. are we're yeah, we're still top of the NL East. Um, couple. I mean, we clearly still have some games to play. I think the Braves have played like 
six more games than us, so. Yeah, I mean, I really have not. I mean, like, I was talking to my friend. Like, I have – I, I talked to no, I mean, I mean, what uh, – Francisco Lindor still has not found himself coming to the Mets. He is still struggling. Unfortunately, it sucks to see for what we paid him to what he's doing is just not – something's not adding up. You might as well have gave me that contract. <laughs> to be honest. Something's not adding up. Something's no, not yeah, adding we're, up. Yeah, we're – we're sitting top of the East right now just because of our win percentage. Um, but yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta, Philly, and Miami are all sitting at more wins than us, but we have less games played. Yeah, so the winning percentage is what's keeping yeah, there. No, yeah, so it's, Diana, it's just kind of fluctuated right now. So the NL East continues to be like, you know, kind of like a crapshoot division where it's competitive, but like it's it's only competitive in I mean, nature. I mean, Francisco Lindor. $300 million player is betting at a 1.85. I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> oh, enjoy, the guy's a stud at shortstop, but to hit the ball, go back to Cleveland, bud. We need you more there. <laughs> Cleveland's doing a right now. I mean, the Indians, are, the Indians are in second place right now. They're in contention for a wild card spot. I am I, shocked that we are there. I am shocked Cleveland is there, to be well, honest. Well, I mean, they did lose two or three to the Twins of uh, their last series. Um, the, uh, they did. Okay, but in, in Cleveland's defense, every single season, the Twins always find a way to beat us no matter what. The Twins always beat Cleveland. Did you guys beat the Tigers? Did they beat the Tigers last night? I know they beat them on Monday. but Yeah, they, yes, they beat the Tigers last night. All right, so it's, you got two more there. You sw- like with the Yankees. Just sweep the shitty Tigers, and you will be fine, okay? You, you just need to find a series, like playing the Tigers for the most part. It, it'll be a sl- – it'll kill the slump. Like, you know, that, that, that they're, they're just slump buster. You'll, you'll just sweep them under the rug. You'll move on from them, and you'll just find your way through and eventually be in contention potentially for a wild card spot. Maybe exactly. even a division if Chicago and Minnesota find a way to shit the bed because the Central's just been – the Central has just been completely crazy. I mean, the Royals had the best record in baseball at one point. They're now in last. They're now close to last. They're now in third place, like close to last place, uh, may potentially because they end up losing a lot of games. Uh, but it's just crazy to talk. It's just crazy to see how things are going. You've got teams in the. You've got the NL West for crying out loud. Like uh, San Diego has the best record in baseball. The Dodgers are back up there again after their skid. But look at the Giants. Uh, nobody expected the San Francisco Giants to uh, be to be like that either. Uh, so it's just crazy to see. And obviously, like as the season goes on more and more, we will continue to talk more baseball. But I just wanted to talk briefly about that those topics there. Mainly oh, yeah. because I mean, like, it's hard to talk based on being in the season because there is still like what a hundred games to go, and no, like oh yeah, there's like into, yeah, there's still like a, there's almost, a, there's a lot of games left. It's a long season. I it's mean, just a long games. season for baseball, unfortunately, to talk about who's going to be where. But so far, the divisions, for the most part, in my opinion, are kind of stacking up as people suspected, except maybe minus the Yankees, because I thought, in my opinion, I thought the Yankees were just going to run through this AL East. I thought maybe Toronto would keep up with us. I wasn't expecting a team from Massachusetts to be right there, but uh, somebody. <laughs> but uh, we come in, Andy Paiska. We come in. I don't care. Paiska, your Red Sox suck. <laughs> don't yeah. worry, you guys are not going to be in playoff contention come the end of the season. Red Sox sucks. Anyone who's a Red Sox fan, if you're not from Boston, you're a fake fan. 
Fuck you. Fuck the Red Sox. <laughs> I'm not even a Yankees fan. I'm saying that. Fuck the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take take notice, Paisco. Take notice. We coming and we ain't backing down. But uh, I just want to go into some final thoughts before we conclude the podcast. Uh, just a little quick soccer talk. Uh, and Inter Milan's uh, Serie A title winning manager, Antonio Conte, out, leaving. 23 days after they win the title, he's already out. Unbelievable. I, I, I'm at a loss for words there. I couldn't believe that. We were talking about it earlier today, and, but it's just crazy to see. You win, a, you, uh, win a you win your league title, but uh, you lose your manager. How does that even happen? He's on to bigger and better things. Hopefully. Uh, on to greener pastures, just like yeah. uh, Zindain is. Saving Real Madrid today. But I think that's in part of their Real Madrid, Barca's and Juventus' statement. I think I think it's in part of that. No, yeah, Zidane wanted no part of the Super League yeah. whatsoever. I mean, I feel like he was going to leave again eventually just because, like, Real Madrid is eventually going to need to uh, start rebuilding, especially yeah. because, like, Ramos. Ramos didn't even make the Spain squad for the Euros, uh, but we could talk. But uh, I'm pretty sure, like, I want to talk about the Euros just for, like, one whole episode because that will be coming up soon. Yeah, I'll um, be, uh, yeah, that, that, let's make that a whole episode because there's a lot be a to whole talk about there. there. But uh, Real Madrid, I feel like, is going through a rebuild eventually. The Super League has failed, uh, so he just wanted to jump ship there. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, another thing that really shocked me, too, is like G Gianluigi Donnarumma from AC Milan, their star goalkeeper. He's only like our age, and he's already, he's, already, he's only our age. Kids a stud, and Milan are allowing him to leave for nothing. And it makes me wonder what team's going to snap and snatch him up for absolutely, no for absolutely nothing. And he's going to be in the Premier League. I feel like he's going to go to Juventus. I feel like Juventus oh, – yeah. I think they'll replace uh, Schnezny finally and uh, have Donnarumma there. The Kings are the free that transfers. Make, that would make again. sense. That would make sense. Kings are free transfers yet again. But, um, uh, yeah, no, just a little final thoughts of what's going on in the soccer world. Um, uh, got the Champions League final uh, on Saturday. Manchester City taking on Chelsea. Go Chelsea. Uh, Go Chelsea is right. But uh, other than that, I really don't have anything uh, else. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we conclude the podcast, sir? No, I think that's it, Jamie. Another good episode for the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. I always appreciate it. And you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. And everyone else listening, you guys enjoy your Memorial Day weekend as well. Exactly. That concludes our episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen and subscribe to the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, and just keep on keeping on, all right?